everybody, and welcome to The Snap, a Marvel Cinematic Universe recap podcast where we're going to be talking about all 21 Marvel movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. I'm your host, Kayla Jouette, and welcome. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and to help me out is Eric Bartolotta. Tell me a little bit about yourself before we get started. Yeah, so uh name is Eric Bartolotta. I live up in Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up in uh Chicago area. Um, I'm a massive, massive MCU fan. I've been going to see him opening night since the first Iron Man. Um, first Iron Man didn't have a Thursday night showing, so that's probably the only one I think I haven't seen on Thursday. Um, I've flown up to Kansas City for the Age of Ultron marathon when they did like the 14 or 15 movies or that's awesome. maybe 11 or 12. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, flew in straight from the airport, drove there, um, and saw the marathon and then flew back right, right after. So that was a fun time. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm, the MCU is definitely my favorite part of pop culture. Um, so it's definitely got a special place. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm obsessed with it. It's definitely like one of its own kind. Like the MCU started, I mean, you know, there's always different, uh, like films and media that have more than like three or four movies that continue this like phenomenon. But like, this is something really big. Like I've mentioned it before on the podcast, but the fact that I had to wait in line on an app to order tickets to the movie the day it came out and I couldn't even get the first showing at my theater because they were sold out. Yeah. So it was insane. It's wild. Like it's, there's just nothing like it. And it's like, it's TV, like TV shows, like lately, especially the whole thing's been the Game of Thrones finale season uh, versus uh, Endgame. Like, which would you rather watch? And I'm like, honestly, give me, give me Endgame. Because even though Game of Thrones has more content in a way, it's, it's like Avengers, it's special. Like there's nothing, nothing has ever hit this. And just because how big it is, it's never going to be hit again. I feel like you can't compare the two, and I've been seeing this too. I've seen this like like vote here or whatever. Yeah. I just feel like you can't compare the two because they're so different. And they are. They are. I I want to see them both, and I'm gonna watch both of them because I do love Game of Thrones. But I don't know. I feel like I I grew up with with MCU. Like I saw Iron Man. I can't remember if I was in high school, like, off the top of my head. I feel like I just went, like, it was my first year of high school when I went and saw it. But, but yeah, like, Game of Thrones I got into in college, so I don't know. This is just, this is a lot for me, and I'm really excited. We're getting so close. This is episode 15, so we're getting there. Almost there. We're almost there. You're, like, in Um, the meat of phase three. In the meat of it. Exactly. So, so yeah, like I said, uh, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 today. Um, I have some opinions on this film, <laughs> but we'll get to them. But I know, Eric, you're you're a fan, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of this one. I think this one doesn't necessarily get hate, but I think it's underappreciated. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, rewatching the film, I appreciate it a lot more than the first couple times I saw it just because, you know, I had to like pay more attention and take more notes. But my problem with the film before we get into the recap is probably the first half of the film and the humor is a little bit too dragged on for me. So the reason that I don't love this film as much is because I it's hard for me to watch. Like if I put it on, I'm not going to pay attention or I'm going to want to turn it off because the humor is just so like, I don't know. I, I love Drax in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but this one, every time he makes a joke, I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, I mean, I will say, I think Drax is my biggest 
not necessarily the biggest letdown in this movie, but I think his comedy is um, a little too like heavy handed. It's just too much. Like, yeah, it's just like yeah. if if it was just less, if it was a little less, I might have been able to handle it. Um, but the story is phenomenal. I really do like the story. I feel like the entire second half of the film is f- great. It's a great story. It's a great build up. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So first, we're gonna do the recap. You know, I like to keep it around 10 minutes, uh, mm-hmm. so we're going to do the recap. We're going to do the review after, talk about all of our feelings, and then we're going to rate them and talk about, you know, where it fits in my in my rating. And then at the end, per usual, we're going to do some endgame stuff. So what we want from the film, if we have any theories that we want to talk about. So yeah, Eric, are you, are you ready to roll? I'm ready. All right, so I'm going to start here with the recap of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We are on Missouri Earth 1980. A Mustang is riding with a blonde girl and a brunette man. They go into a forest and check out this blue alien plants that he says that he planted there. And he says, my heart is yours, Meredith Quill. And she says she can't believe she fell in love with a spaceman. 34 years later, the Guardians of the Galaxy are on the Sovereign. They are hired to stop an interdimensional beast from stealing some batteries. The team have some quips at each other while they wait for the fight to start, and we see Baby Groot trying to fight a bunch of little baby aliens. Uh, The beast crashes in, and the Guardians go to fight him, and Groot plugs in the stereo for the music to play Mr. Blue Sky. And everyone fights around Baby Groot as he dances to the song the entire intro credits avoiding any harm by the monster um drax says that the beast's skin is too thick on the outside he must bust through onto the inside and he jumps into his mouth and that doesn't make any sense and there is a cut on the beast's neck so they get him to look up gamora takes her sword cuts through the beast and before they leave to meet with the sovereign leader rocket takes some of the batteries So they meet with the leader, Aisha, who tells them that their people are made one by one in the perfect design in their birthing pods. And Peter says he prefers making babies the old-fashioned way. She gives them what they were promised for their fight, and um, she has captured Nebula trying to steal the batteries as well. So she hands Nebula over to them, and as they go to leave, she asks Peter his parentage. And he says his mom's from Missouri, but his dad isn't. And she says that she senses it in him, something reckless. So they bounce out of the ship to ride to Xandar to collect the bounty for Nebula. And Peter apologizes for maybe flirting with the High Priestess, and Gamora says she doesn't care. And Drax tells Peter that he doesn't think Gamora is his type, and he needs to find a woman who is pathetic like him. So Nebula and Gamora talk, and she tells Gamora that she's going to kill her when she gets out. And they have this entire Sovereign fleet approaching them from the rear, and they start shooting at them. And... They're basically playing Galaga. They ride through a bunch of asteroids, and Rocket and Quill fight over who is the best pilot, and they start to almost crash. The last of the Sovereign ship is on their tail and almost takes them out, but Drax goes outside in a suit and shoots a rocket at it. And we think that's it, and then another entire fleet is headed next to them. But they all get blown up almost immediately by this small little white ship following behind them. So... The team crashes into the ground, and the white ship lands right in front of them, revealing to be Peter's dad that we saw earlier in the film with his servant, Mantis. He's been searching for him for many years, and his name is Ego. We then see all the Ravagers hanging out at this escort kind of place, and Yandu meets up with some old Ravagers, but they say that he may dress like them, but he isn't one of them since he broke the code and broke their hearts. One of Yandu's men starts telling all the other men in the crew how soft Yandu's become, and he's trying to get people to side with him. Aisha appears in front of Yandu with a proposition. So, 
Ego tells the Guardians that he hired Yondu to pick Peter up, but he never delivered. And Peter says, yeah, he abducted me since I was a skinny kid, so he could get into tight spaces for thievery. Gamora seems questionable about the whole thing and asks how he found them. And he says that he heard the tales of Star-Lord from Galaxies Away, and his servant Mantis starts talking with Drax, and Star-Lord and Gamora walk off to talk about how it might be a trap. And Gamora says this man might really be his dad, but if he ends up lying, they'll just kill him. So Gamora, Drax, and Star-Lord go off with Mantis and Ego to Ego's planets and leave Nebula with Rocket and Groot. And Mantis tells the crew that she can touch people and and feel their feelings. And she touches Peter and tells everybody that he loves Gamora. And she says she can also alter some emotions to an extent. She can make a sad person content or a stubborn, stubborn person calm, but mostly uses her powers to help the master sleep. So the Ravagers appear at the crash site where Nebula, Groot, and Rocket are and try to ambush them, but Rocket has some other plans and starts using all of his tech to knock out the Ravagers. He gets a good amount of them down, but then gets surrounded by Yondu and his main crew. Meanwhile, we see Nebula telling baby Groot that he needs to cut her loose so she can help out Rocket. So Yondu says that Aisha offered them a million to hand over the Guardians, but he's going to take the batteries and sell them on the market. And his crew gets really mad at this and says that he's always sticking up for Peter. And one of the members says it's time for some new leadership. They all start a fight, and then Nebula comes out of nowhere and shoots Yondu down. So the white ship takes them to Ego's planet, which is this really beautiful and green and vibrant planet and he tells them that he is a celestial which is basically like a small god and he doesn't know where he came from but he was adrift in the cosmos and was lonely he created himself the planet and decided that he desired meaning so he made himself have this living appearance that we see in front of us and he set off amongst the stars and found life and then met peter's mom on earth and fell in love with her and peter asks if he loved her why did he leave her so we see the Ravager people taking all of Yondu's faithful crew members and tossing them outside in space to die while Yondu is tied up and watches. Their new captain, Taserface, rises up before them and Rocket continuously makes fun of his name and kind of gets the crew to laugh with him. So Nebula tells Kraglin, Yondu's old right-hand man, that Gamora and her would be pinned up against each other as kids in combat and Thanos would give her a new body part as a machine every time she lost and Gamora would never let up. So now she's going to go kill her sister and then go after Thanos herself. She takes one of their ships and leaves. So Peter tells his dad that his mom had brain cancer and Ego says that he had to leave her to keep his planet alive. And he tried to send Yondu for him, um, but that didn't work out. So he wants a chance to be a father to Peter and he needs to teach him about the light within the planet and himself. So he tells him to put his hands out and concentrate on the center of the planet. And we see this energy form within his hands and Ego seems weirdly thrilled about this so he channels the energy and makes it into a ball and they throw it back and forth so Drax and Mantis sit together and they bond and he reminisces about his daughter and his family and she feels that he is mourning on the inside but he hides it on the outside and she goes to tell him something really important but then Gamora walks outside and she stops so Mantis walks them to their rooms and Gamora asks why there's no one else on this planet and she says she is only here because she serves a purpose and Gamora's like, well, what were you going to say to Drax? And she says, nothing. So Rocket and Yondu wait in prison, and Yondu tells them, tells him that he was stupid as a kid, and instead of agreeing to the Ravager code, he broke it, and they exiled him. He says he lost the only family he ever had, and he deserves this punishment. He asks, where's Quill? And Rocket says, he went off with his old man. So he says, all right, well, I got an idea to get us out of here. So 
we see all the Ravagers beating up on Baby Groot. And when he leaves and walks past the prison cell, they tell him to sneak into the captain's quarters to get Yondu's fin so they can get out of there. Groot goes off and returns with the wrong item. And he does this several, several times until finally he comes back with the right thing with Kraglin, who tells Yondu that he's sorry for everything. And they release them. Yondu gets his fin and his whistle weapon and kills basically everyone on the ship and they leave. And Rocket takes the lead of the ship and jumps to Ego's planet, which is 700 jumps away. So Peter and Gamora are dancing outside on the balcony at Ego's place. And she says that something about this place does not feel right. And he says that she's just jealous of him and that he finally found his family. And she says, I thought you already had. So she leaves. She walks far out onto the planet to try and get a signal and hear from Rocket, but instead, a ship shows up on their planet and comes straight for her. It's Nebula, and she is trying to shoot her down. She crashes the ship into this cave, trying to hit Gamora, and they fall even deeper into it, trying to fight each other. Nebula almost kills her, but throws her weapon down and says she finally won. And she says Gamora was always the one who wanted to win, but she just wanted a sister. Ego approaches Peter and tells him that his immor- he's immortal as long as the light on their planet exists, but he wants to show him something, and he brings him to this, like, museum area that he has. And Manta sees this happening and seems worried, and goes to wake Drax up to help. Ego tells Peter that everything is temporary, they are forever, and they have a purpose. He says when he finally found life, it was also disappointing. His desire to seek out other life was not to walk among them, and he found a meaning. And he touches Peter's head and shows him something, and Peter's eyes gloss over, and he says that he sees eternity. Gamora and Nebula walk further into the cave and find this huge, empty pit with thousands of skulls in it. So meanwhile, Rocket and them are still jumping through space, and Stanley has a small cameo here as an Earthling on a planet that they jump through, telling a bunch of these tall space people a story about how he was a FedEx man. So they finally make it to Ego's planet, and Yondu tells Rocket that he can't fool him. He knows the real reason why he's here to save Quill, and that he's the most scared of all, pushes away everyone just because a little love makes him feel empty. He says he knows who he is because he's the same way. So we see Gamora attack Mantis and ask who the bodies are in the cavern. Ego is telling Peter about their purpose to consume other planets to make the entire universe him. He went to thousands of worlds and consumed them until he didn't have enough power to continue his conquest. In order to finish what he started, he needed another celestial being. So he went from planet to planet to graft his DNA with other species on every planet in order to create another celestial like Peter. So Mantis tells everyone that the bodies in the cavern are all of his children. Ego says that every one of his kids that Yondu fetched for him while breaking the Ravager code were disappointments, until he finally found Peter. He says for the first time in his existence, he's truly not alone. Peter, still with his eyes glazed over, says he's sad and he doesn't want to leave his friends behind. And he says, you said you love my mother. And Ego says that he returned to Earth to see her three times and he couldn't return a fourth time because he would have never continued his mission for the expansion. So he put a tumor in her head. And Peter immediately snaps out of it and shoots at Ego and says, you killed my mother. So Ego tells him to grow up and that he wants to do this together, but he'll just use him as a battery. And he stabs him through the heart and starts extracting his power. And this power works enough that we see the blue flower from the beginning on Earth starting to eat away at the planet and thousands more. So Yondu crashes into Ego and distracts him, making the devouring planet stuff stop. And Peter says there is a center to him below the surface and they need to get there to destroy him. Yondu tells Peter once he found out what Ego was doing to those other kids, that's why he didn't deliver him. They go deep into the core of the planet and try to blow everything up to kill Ego. 
Meanwhile, Kraglin is waiting outside in the Ravager ship for them to finish, and the entire Sovereign fleet rolls up on them to get their batteries back. The Guardians make it down to the core and try to blast through it, and the Sovereigns show up inside the center and start firing. Rocket, Baby Groot, and Peter find a small cave that leads into the core, but it's too small for them to fit through, so they tell Baby Groot to bring the bomb inside and attach it to the core and set it to detonate. Ego is finally coming back, and Mantis says she is too weak to put him to sleep, and Jack says he believes in her, and she reaches down and holds him off for a few. Um, Nebula uses her robotic charge to fire up the ship to take out all the Sovereign ships, and Aisha is pissed. All of the Guardians meet up on the bottom, ready for Baby Groot to blow up the place, but the debris hits Mantis, and she loses her grip on Ego. Drax goes to take Mantis up to the Ravager ship to escape, and Nebula and Gamora start falling down, and they're trying to escape as well. Ego tries to trap all the Guardians on their way out, and Yondu tells Peter that he doesn't use his head to call his powers, he uses his heart. So Peter channels his inner powers and attacks Ego while the chain plays. Um, With Ego distracted, the Guardians break from his grasp, and Rocket tells Groot to hurry with the bomb, so he he places it in, presses the right button, and they have five minutes to escape. Drax and Mantis make it to the ship, and Gamora and Nebula come in next. Rocket finds Yondu and gives him his last space suit and takes Groot and flies away. So Peter and Ego continue their fight, and the Guardians are waiting for him when Rocket says they need to leave now, and everyone is pretty shook that they're leaving Peter behind. Uh, So Ego tells Peter if he lets that bomb go off, he won't be a god anymore, and Peter does not care and lets the planet and his dad disappear before him. So before the planet blows up completely, Yondu grabs Peter and flies him up into the atmosphere and says, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. And he's sorry for not doing things right, and he's lucky that he was his boy. Yondu puts the spacesuit onto Peter and flies up as far as he can until his rig goes out, and he dies in space, saving Peter's life. They hold a funeral for Yondu, and Peter talks about how happy he was to be his son. And Gamora tells Nebula that she's sorry for everything and that she should stay with them and help them save little girls across the galaxy. And Nebula says she will help by killing Thanos. And all of the other Ravagers that exiled him show up to pay their respects to Yondu, and the movie ends. And we get a ton of end credit scenes. The first one, we see Kraglin trying to learn how to use Yondu's whistle and accidentally stabs Drax. The second one, the Ravagers all meet up again and form a team to go steal some shit. The third one, we, which is the best one, uh, we see Aisha looking distraught, and she says when the council sees what she's created, they won't be mad about the batteries wasted. And she says, it's a birthing pod, and it's creating something more powerful and capable of destroying the Guardians of the Galaxy, and she will call him Adam. And the fourth one, Peter confronts teenage Groot and tells him to clean up his room and stop playing video games. And the fifth one, the... Big tall aliens leave Stanley alone on this rock, and he says, Wait, y'all, we're supposed to be my lift home. I have so many more stories to tell. That is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So tell me, tell me your feelings. What do you think about this film? Um, I like I was kind of saying, I think it's underappreciated. I feel like this one is actually better than Guardians 1. Um, mm-hmm. which I'm sure a lot of people don't see. What it that a take. Way. Um, <laughs> even though I will say a couple things. One I like adult group much better than baby Groot or teenage Groot. Same. Um, baby or adult Groot's just like awesome because he is still has that like innocence, but he's just like this massive like bodyguard. Um, and I think there's a lot more you can play off of that versus them just like babysitting and raising a kid. Um, but mm-hmm. it's it's still funny. Um, of co- I think James Gunn and this is not an insult to the Russo brothers because I think they're like top notch, but in a different way and in a very unique way, James Gunn is the best director in the MCU. 
You think uh, so? Yeah, yeah. I think he he and it was kind of nice that MCU was like or Kevin Feige especially is just like, hey, do what you want with this with this series. Um, I and that's what I think makes Guardians special is it doesn't feel like it fits within Avengers canon. Um, and it's it still does. Um, so yeah, yeah. I really like that. That's how I feel about uh, oh, forgive me. What is his name uh, with Thor Ragnarok? Oh, um, Taika Waititi. Yes, yes. That's how I feel about him. The way you feel about James Gunn. I For sure. loved the direction that he did with that film, and I love that film. So, like that's that's how I feel. So I, I understand your love for James Gunn because that you. Know. Yeah, I think it's. I always find it odd uh, that they kind of had differences with Edgar Wright and got rid of him on Ant Man when like Guardians like was a thing at the time, and you could see that like if they gave directors their own freedom, that they could make a good product. So. Right. That was kind of odd to me. Um, but yeah, like, I wish Taika Waititi would have came in and done, like, Dark World or something. Like, I think Thor just t- became great too late. Um, yeah, that's to, the, that's what I, I mentioned a lot, is that, like, I hope, you know, we know that a lot of characters are getting to the end of their contracts and stuff. But I hope we see more of Thor just because of how well the third Thor was and how well he's been portrayed in the last couple of, uh, like multi-hero films and things like that. So I hope fingers crossed that we get more of that. And it's not just something that's like too little too late, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely. but yeah, back to guardians. I agree too about Groot. Uh, I love adult Groot, baby Groot, super cute. There's like moments that I loved it. Like the, the scene where he, Rocket's trying to show him what button to press. And he's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this one. And he's like, no. And then like when he puts it in, he almost clicks it. And then he's like, no, this one. And he's just, he's so cute. And then, oh, and then the scene where they're all the like ravagers are like beating him up. And he's just so, so oh, sad. Yeah, really and I'm sad. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. The baby Groot is like so heavy. cute. It's, uh, and yeah. then with Yondu and Rocket trying to get him to go get Yondu's like, whatever his like hair piece or whatever it is to control the air mm-hmm. and he uh, <laughs> yeah it's amazing um, that's great i yeah. think uh too james gunn knew exactly what he was doing like groot was obviously like a beloved character in guardians one so he was like i'm gonna make him a baby and like people are gonna go crazy for it and they did so like he knew what he was doing so exactly exactly it kind of felt like a toy like to sell some toys in a sense but he did yeah. fine with it um yeah like i think i think the opening of this movie Besides Infinity War and besides Ragnarok, I think you're hard pressed mm-hmm. to find a stronger opening. Um, I love. You're talking about the the scene when they're riding in the car. That yeah, scene? well, a little bit after that. I'm sorry. I guess it's not technically the opening scene. Oh, the the um, fight scene with the the in the, um, the, the sovereign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. The sovereign and uh, baby girl dancing around and all of them fighting. Uh, I, I absolutely love that scene. Um, I do like the Missouri scene, though. I think they did a great job of making Kurt Russell look young and kind of seeing how he looked to Meredith. Because even Meredith Quill mentions in the first movie that he like looked like an angel. And I thought it was interesting that we got to actually see him because I always took that as we would never see him on Earth in a flashback. That he actually was like this like omnipresent being, which he right. is, but I never thought he would take a human form. I loved, I loved Kurt Russell in this film. I loved what they did with Ego, and I think he was a really good fit for it. Like, he fit Absolutely. as Peter's dad so well, and just the character. I, I love Kurt Russell, so. Yeah, he's he's perfect for this. He's, like, to me, top five MCU villains as far right. as. Uh, I wish we would have gotten more of him. I think he kind of gets knocked out a little fast. 
But uh, but yeah, it's like he he's incredible with it. He's smooth when he needs to be, and then he just like flips a switch and becomes a villain just at the perfect time. So fast. Um, I love that scene too, and that's so something that I want to talk about. Like I said, I I don't love the first hour of the film. I felt was not only annoy like not annoying. Maybe me saying that because I get annoyed, but it's hard for me to watch. Like, I feel like I can't pay attention. I get, I get irritated with the humor and I feel like it jumps around a lot. But once we get to that half, like that half mark where, uh, Peter is getting to know his father and he's like learning about him and he's that like that part to me is when I start paying real attention. And like, we start to see, uh, Mantis and Drax bond a little bit. And I like that Drax. I think Drax starts to kind of, tone down a bit he makes some jokes but they're less like in your face um but from then on is when i really get into it and then when they're talking about like like that one scene right they're they're talking about why he did all these things and he lets peter like see something and peter's like oh i see it i see all this you know and and that's when he makes that turn Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is such a good scene and like for a second you think that peter is going to maybe side with him and help him out like you're like oh is he gonna do it are the guardians gonna have to like snap him out of it and then he snaps at himself and he's like you killed my mom like are you fucking serious and uh, such such a good scene i love it's that it's so immediate yeah like oh god chris pratt knocks it out of the park in that scene just how fast he and you get that beautiful shot of like his face and yeah like how there's like a galaxy in his eyes like mm-hmm. it disappears when he's like yeah you killed my mom and it's just the way it zooms in on his face is perfect. Um, so good. He gets so angry. Yeah, I kind of almost thought that it would have been like the Guardians versus Peter Quill and Ego at one point. Uh, yeah, that's where I thought it was. They were, were taking us, and then I'm I'm glad they did what they did though because I think it was even better. It was one of those like like in Thor Ragnarok, right? When he's like, "You don't need the hammer to use your powers." It's that thing where he says to him. uh, it's not it doesn't come from the head it comes from the heart and he's like torn down and he's like just comes out at his dad and i'm glad he's there fighting with him so yeah and that's what i think i mean i agree with you the first half of the movie is a lot weaker than the second half and it almost feels like a lot of the first half exists to reference the second half like there's so many references in the second half that just pertain to the first half of the movie and i feel like that's even like jokes that don't really matter like drax with the with like the jetpack or whatever like rubbing his nipples like that comes back at the very end and it's like <laughs> and i thought it was lines. funny at the end at the beginning i was like uh like i don't know i guess it's because like if they would have gotten me more invested in the film early on i might have laughed a little bit more but i think i was just annoyed from the start i don't know yeah. why yeah i mean i do know why but it's on me it's on me that's my opinion but you know it's a it's a it's a very uh specific first half when you when you put mm-hmm. it that way it really is it's um the sovereign it's interesting that they're introduced and then they're just kind of like throughout the film and also by the end you kind of feel like they're going to be important it's a very weak antagonist like when you think about like they are they are technically the ones that we feel like is this looming threat the entire time but really it's some somebody else uh and then we get them in the end credit scene hinting to something major that might be like a guardians three and i guess they were used in the film for that purpose but i just felt like they were they were like not important throughout the film yeah they're kind of just like naggy in a sense like yeah i don't know how to how to kind of explain it but yeah it's 
it's very much just like uh they just want to be there um it always trips me out that like sylvester stallone's in this movie as, like, <laughs> i OG do i liked ravager. him in this in this movie too i loved all the old ravagers like especially at the end when they all come together yeah yeah that was and really like, cool Miley to see. Cyrus voices yeah. character, which is awesome wait uh, really yeah she's that robot that says like i miss you guys or whatever it's like one line like real quick in that end credit scene i never even i'm gonna have to go back and look at that <laughs> yeah yeah when it's like ving rames sylvester stallone um god that asian ladies and something that's really good and i forget and then yeah, Miley Cyrus is, has like a quick line. You can kind of, if you're listening, it's kind of robotic. They've messed with it, but you can tell it's her. Interesting. Okay, yeah. well, I'll have to go back for that. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see them in like Guardians Three. So, Eric, why why does this film like why do you love this film so much? There's got to be like a so something. I guess in like a general, and I'll kind of work down a little bit. Is I feel like phase three of the MCU, for the most part, is kind of like the theme of it is like the sins of our fathers. And hmm. it's all almost every movie to me in phase three has a pretty heavy like father figure or father story to it, whether it be like Tony and Peter and Homecoming. Um, you have uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. You have uh, Hank Pym and, and, you know, and then you have like Hope Van Dyme and all that. So, I so think Ragnarok is Ragnarok. very much of that, yeah. Exactly, hiding his sister, you know, Odin, like, pretty much, like, he he has a great scene and all that, but, I mean, it's kind of like Odin was pretty bad in his early days, so you kind of learn mm-hmm. that, and that comes back to bite Thor really bad. So, I think a lot of this, and then, of course, Infinity War is, is you have Nebula and, and Gamora and, and Thanos, and that's his movie, and, I mean, it's it's really, really about him and his daughter's relationship, and uh, kind of how that kind of how that expands out in his his mission but um this movie is literally about you know peter and his father and and it's really about both of his fathers so it's i just really really like how it how it sits on that and we didn't know from guardians one who his father would be and of course there was there was rumors it'd be like jason or whatever from the comics who's kind of his actual father in the comics and then i think it was fun that they did ego and ego's a living planet but they kind of made him be a human um and it's it's a personal guardians of the galaxy movie but the galaxy still you know could still be destroyed or be taken Mm -hmm. over it's not guardians one is definitely more like this is about a war this is more personal stakes but i think they do a great job with it and there's a lot of great one-on-one character interactions in this movie yeah and i think that's for sure i think yeah i think the the first Guardians movie was a great first time introduction to all of these characters that people may not have known about and that's why they the the jokes and things were so perfect for the film because people were getting to know these characters and they're like oh this is funny this is awesome this is a lot there's a lot going on but then this movie i noticed watching it this time that you get to learn way more about like all the characters backstories like even yondu right like you every single character you learn a little bit more about them and like maybe why the way they they are the way they are and um i thought that was really special that yeah. people might overlook so and in a movie full of like it's a team movie and you james gunn does a great job with like one-on-one interactions like conversations like like yandu and rocket have drax and mantis you have you know peter quill and his dad <laughs> peter quill and and uh and gamora gamora and, and nebula like for something where there's like, you know, 10 characters to juggle at any given time, he he makes time and he makes like the one-on-one interactions work really well. And it always feels like you're learning more about someone's past, but it's pushing a story forward. 
Um, right. And I think it's really a lot of MCU movies don't do the best job of that. Um, I think the characters don't serve the story. And in this case, the story serves the characters. And I, I do, I do really appreciate that. Um, I don't know, this movie's just special. Like visually, I think it's next to Ragnarok. I think it's the best looking. Oh, for um, sure. Like the whole planet, like the whole ego's whole planet is gorgeous. Yeah. The end fight scene is such a cool scene. Like with the environment they're in, like inside of basically like ego's core and his planet and his brain and stuff like that whole, that whole part was really cool. And visually too, seeing like ego go back and forth between like his, like is he kind of looks like he has like electro like nervous system but like he's like a human and he's going back and forth between building that like whenever um peter like shoots him you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. and it breaks him down everything about that is really like visually stunning but like it just looks awesome like i love those scenes and that's what i, I when i was writing notes while i was watching the movie i was like it, like ego's whole aesthetic to me is like very like museum in a way like even when he's explaining to peter like his history and going planet to planet and all that, it looks like museum. Um, yeah, kind of like all the setups. And dioramas. Yeah. And yeah, even when he's like getting destroyed and it's his body, I'm like, oh, that reminds me of where like a, you know, like I used to go to like Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago growing up. And it's like they have like the body exhibit with like, here's the skeletal system, here's with the muscles. And like it's everything looks like clean in a sense, even when it's right. kind of dirty and earthy. Um, and yeah, I just, God, like visually, this movie is stunning to me. Like it even. Even when they're, um, you got Kraglin, Rocket, Groot, and Yondu are all jumping through like the the portals. Like <laughs> that's like such a crazy. I almost forgot about that fit. scene. Yeah. Yeah, like it doesn't fit at all visually, but it's still fun to watch. I love that scene. <laughs> Their faces look so funny, and they're like going through all the things. Yeah, it's um, such a weird like. It's almost like a Rick and Morty like live action. It is. Scene. That's what I thought about. Like I was like, this doesn't fit in like a Marvel movie. Like this doesn't look right, but I appreciate it, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's what James Gunn like. I I, I really do like give a lot of credit to him. I'm glad he's back. Um, just because yeah. I think he's he's something special as far as like they know. Like just let him you let him get his toys and play with it and and do what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll talk more about what I'm about to say more in spoiler territory, even though it's not really spoilers because it's at the end credits of this movie. But I have said this before, and I'm probably going to keep bringing it up, is that, like, I really hope now that James Gunn is back, we get more on Adam Warlock. And that does, like, show up in the future. And it wasn't just something they just left us on, because then the whole, like, then I think the whole point of like the sovereign and like all those people were like pointless because that I feel like that was their point was to hint at a new character because throughout the whole movie they were pretty they're pretty like meaningless to me so yeah yeah I same here like I think Adam Warlock is such an important Marvel Comics character and you can make him a really interesting villain you could even kind of make him like a not necessarily maybe like the next Loki like have him kind of like weave in and out of different stories but um it's kind of a shame he's not going to get to deal with the Infinity Saga at all. But, I mean, we don't know. Yeah, true. I don't see him being in Endgame at all, but that's just me. Um, I do like that end credit scene. You can see um, Aisha, and she looks like she's like going crazy almost. Like her hair is yeah. not perfect, and she's just kind of sitting there. And I'm interested to see like a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, where obviously these people like manufacture their their the Sovereign. 
So it's like it'd be interesting to see if she like builds an army of like mutilated like sovereign or mutated Ooh. sovereign or something like you know because you you kind of need those like CG filler characters the guardians can just kind of like roll through. But um, I would like to see her go crazy and just become this like mad scientist in a sense. That'd be cool because but, like uh, I like I said I think that her character was really pointless in this film and mm-hmm. I don't know they were, if they were going to put all this work into making these cool looking people like do something with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wanted to be when I was watching it. I was like, all right, you're useless for the story, <laughs> but like, I want you to be worth something. Like, later right. on, like, you've got to be there for a reason. Same thing with Celeste Stallone's, like, the OG Ravagers. Like, they, like, they're kind of pointless, to be honest. They're cameos, but it's like, they can be in the next one. Like, they, I don't know. It definitely builds out a living, a living, breathing world as far as, uh, like the MCU likes to do. It's just like they're all in space so they don't have to be right next to each other. It's not like you're stuck on Earth. But yeah, it's they need to do something with the Sovereign and do something with Adam Warlock because he does need to come in. And I mean, I'd mm-hmm. still, I still want like Leonardo DiCaprio to play him or someone like really, really high profile. What is the reason? You said before that you like this one better than Guardians. Is there like a specific part of it or just everything that you said before you think just stands out more? I think it's a... Yeah, I think it's a, you had said this on your, on your first episode as, as far as like, you're not a big fan of origin stories. Right. And I think it just depends. I'm, I lean towards how you feel about them for sure. I think like Dr. Strange is a phenomenal movie as far as it goes and it's an origin story, but I, this one kind of gets that out of the way. And it's like, since it takes place six months after Guardians one, they're not all used to each other yet but they're blended enough to where they can still learn about each other. And you see them learn a ton about each other in this movie, but it's not like, who are you? Okay. I need a quick, you know, monologue on who I am like yesterday. Like it's a lot of, yeah. it's a deeper relationship with everybody. And they're actually the guard. They're a family. Like they always reference being family. And I think they're more of a family in this one than they are in the first one for obvious reasons. Just time is oh, for sure. Um, it's a brighter movie. It's, it definitely feels like it exists within a timeline. Um, where Guardians 1 just kind of felt... Guardians 1 feels more like it exists in, like, the Russo Brothers MCU, and I like how James Gunn's MCU is, and I think this this fits better in that. Granted, he's only done two movies, but I just like how cosmic it is. And I'm not a big fan of cosmic a lot of the time. But, um... Okay. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. I just think it's a... It's a... It's a better movie. I don't... I don't know what it is. I love them both. I would say... It's the two movies in the MCU I think you should always watch back-to-back. Like, I think this should be one long movie, which is, like, an yeah. intermission in between. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I I, definitely agree when you're talking about, like, the family parts and the fact that, like, yeah, we don't... This is six months later, so we we don't need a recap, but they're still, like, learning. I loved at the end when Rocket, you know, he had that, that talk with Yondu about... um learning who he is and the the barriers he builds and stuff so people don't get close to him so at the end when he makes a a little comment to peter and he's not admit like not saying sorry or anything but he's just saying like he knows what he did and peter's like yeah i i'm here you know i'm here i get it and they kind of have that like moment and it's it's so sweet and i'm just like oh yeah, they're past having it. to, like, say things to each other. They just, like, understand each other. I also think they're just kind of, like, that cliche, like, toxic masculinity. Like, I can't tell you how I feel. I'm just going to exactly, <laughs> say this yeah. out loud and hope you get it and hope you understand without me having to actually 
tell you how I feel. So yeah, Rocket's too. never going to say sorry. He's just going to be no. like, well, it could have been worse. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's. I think Peter. We can see Peter's change even between Guardians Two and Infinity War. Like he's oh, definitely yeah. more into his emotions for better and for worse. But um, I I think I do love the relationship that's built between Peter and Gamora in this one, where they kind of by the end they really do become like a couple, and just how in the beginning he's even hitting on Aisha, um, and <laughs> and it's like they get on the ship and he's like changing and he's just like I I you know I didn't mean anything I said and she's like I don't care. And you could tell it's like these six months have been very back and forth with them. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that. Although, so I mentioned in another episode that, uh, you know, I a lot of the Marvel relationships I'm not a fan of. I don't feel like there's a lot of chemistry. I'm not. I think they do have chemistry, but I think I just really dislike their relationship now because of what happens in <laughs> Infinity War that I'm not going to spoil uh, until we get to the end. But yeah, Quill does something stupid over his love for Gamora, and I will never forgive him for it. So That's what, I mean, so, I, it's understandable, though, but yeah, it's It's, it's understandable, but like, it's one of those moments where you're just like, why? 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 Yeah. Why did you do that? <laughs> yeah, especially when you see the stakes and everything. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. But it, I think it's any anyone would do that. Yeah, I think, but Peter, especially as a character, is he is so emotionally in tuned, and he doesn't know how to handle his emotions. And exactly. we've seen that in like yeah. all the movies, like the, the, his emotions take him take him for a ride. So he wasn't, yeah. And I think it's due to like sure he was raised by Yandu, for lack of a better term, um, but like he wasn't raised by anybody in a sense. Like no one taught him how to like care about things like he was yeah. raised by the ravager so he's a uh, chris pratt does a great job of kind of being someone who you want to root for but also you know they're just kind of like reckless and sure. almost like a i don't know he's a very reckless indiana jones to me how do you feel about mantis because i actually think i really like mantis's character like i like mantis do. as well um when we when we first get introduced to her again it's still in that part of the movie where i'm just like like when she touches uh, Drax and he's like laughing and she starts laughing. I'm just like, I wish I found this funny, but I don't. But mm -hmm. I really like her character. Like I said, I love that moment when Mantis and her Mantis and Drax are uh, sitting and she's about to tell him like what's up, but she doesn't because Gamora walks in. I love her character because she. I feel like she's the reason that Drax chills out a little bit. <laughs> so I think that's why I like her the most. For sure, um, for sure. Yeah, he, they, he makes a big difference there. Yeah, and they bounce off of each other really well. And I feel yeah. like she was a really good... I mean, she's a very important character. At the end of this movie, she does something really cool where she grabs the, the like, uh, nerve and makes him go to sleep. And then we see her do something really awesome in Infinity War, too. And I feel like she's a very important character that people might, like, put to the back of their brains. But she's she's pretty badass. Like, she's got a really cool power that she could uh, put a handle on people. Yeah, and that's what I... Uh... Even watching it, like, I just watched it right before we started recording. I've seen this movie five times, probably. And I, every time when they first meet and they're sitting there um, on that, like, forest planet, um, and it's Drax and Mantis, I'm like, oh, no, they're flirting. Like, they're going to be an item by the end of this, and I hate it. And it's just, mm -hmm. like, makes me feel like they're not right for that. Like, they don't, it doesn't have to be a relationship thing or, like, a flirty thing. And then you kind of realize he looks at her, not as a daughter, but he kind of looks at her as someone to protect, and he someone he can confide in 
because he kind of has right. to be that macho guy to the rest of the Guardians. And to her, you could tell it's like his outlet just to be like, I miss my family. Like, you know, she's all about emotion. And he doesn't get to show that a lot of the time because otherwise you have Rocket who's going to get onto you. Gamora's going to tell you to shut up and Peter's going to make a joke. So it's yeah. like Mantis is a great, like, she's great leverage for the Guardians. Like, I'm glad that uh, she, you know, she, at the end of the movie, she's with the Guardians. Um, just because I, I think she's a great addition. Yeah, like, the scene that I was talking about where they're, like, sitting in front of the water and they're bonding. Uh, yeah, he makes that comment where he's like, you remind me of my daughter because you're, like, innocent. And I think that's that moment when you're like, he might see her not not necessarily as a daughter because of everything he's been through, but he sees her as somebody that he could protect and especially protect her from a lot of the things in the world that that suck. So I really love that moment. And then, she, you know, she like f- touches him and sees uh, feels his emotions of sadness. Um, and I guess from that moment, she probably without saying it, because I don't think it's said, but she probably realizes that he has had a lot of losses and that's the way that he is. And he deals with his traumas with this with his jokes that i can't stand but that's the way he deals with it and you know yeah and i love how he she there's kind of sitting over there looking over the pond and when she does touch him because he just talked about missing his daughter that he's just staring there and he's kind of got like a blank face like he looks somber but she touches him and she starts like bawling and it's like you can tell like just how deeply distraught he is in that moment and how he feels but that's just not how his but he's, you know, and he's works. stone cold. Like he's his face. He's you know he doesn't show his emotions. Yeah. And but he's feeling them, which which kind of sad. Yeah, it is. He's a he's a very like heartbreaking character, and it's just all he wants to do is just you know get revenge on on Thanos and Ronan for for killing his his family, and you know they get it on Ronan, but it's like Thanos is the one who ordered it. So um, I don't right. know. Out of all the characters who I would want to actually kill Thanos. I feel like Drax is the number one. But I know, especially because it's like that callback to Guardians, the first movie, when he, uh, Gamora's like, hey, you know, your your family is like resting well now that you've taken out Ronan. And he's like, well, Ronan was just the start. I'm yeah. going for Thanos now. And yeah. Gamora's just like, uh, uh okay. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, yeah, it's not over. Like, he, he has a mission, and now he's got a new mission. And it's just, I don't know, Drax is an unstoppable guy, even in the beginning of the movie with uh, him going to jump into the, into the, I call it a space slug, I don't know, but whatever that big beast thing is, they're fighting for the Sovereign, and he jumps inside of it and he's stabbing it, and I'm like, that, he kind of makes, yeah, a couple cheesy jokes there, but his actions mm-hmm. of just being like, I'm gonna jump in his body and, and, you know, kill him from the inside, and they're like, that makes no sense. <laughs> that okay. makes no sense. But it's it's Drax, like, he he's your ride-or-die person, like, he's just gonna go do it if you want him to. Shit, I wanna kind of have a spoiler for Infinity War, but I'm not going to, so I guess I'll try, I'll try to remind myself to ask you at the end, but uh, okay. would you, so do you think, you know, when I think about Thanos at the end and, like, who's gonna take him out, the main people I think about are, like, are like Thor and Captain Marvel and like Tony and Cap. But like, I don't know, you're kind of making me feel like Drax needs to be in that. Like he needs to he's, be in that circle because he, he he deserves it. He deserves it more than anybody. He does. I mean, he maybe does. not. Maybe him, they all deserve it equally. But like he has had this vendetta for so long because of what happened to his family. And uh, yes, all the people of Earth now have felt the felt what happened, like have, have felt with something that Thanos has done. But 
uh, before he even had the gauntlet, like he had his people like slaughtering families like by hand, like not just with a snap, not like a painless yeah. snap. Like he had yeah. his people like slaughtering his family and things like that. So I think, yes, out of all the people, Gamora and Drax are the ones who have suffered the most and they deserve they deserve it. So, yeah. And I think uh, I would say I think Thanos is the Guardians villain to to kill. I think he's I don't know. That's how I've always looked at it. Thanos has obviously well, yeah. done a lot, but indirectly to affect the Avengers. But I think like Gamora and Nebula, them getting to square off with Thanos and, and take them out, that would be such a satisfying ending, especially with Nebula, who someone I didn't like in Guardians 1 at all. And of course, she was a villain, but I didn't really care about her. And in this movie, by the end, I'm like, man, go get him. Like, I want right. to see you be the one to take him out. Um, yeah, you know, this is changing a little bit of my perspective perspective on things now that we're talking about this because i think you're right and i think the guardians are well deserving of being the ones to take him out even though like we're all rooting on like uh like tony and cap and all that they have to take him out because they're the original avengers but like of course, yeah. like we might have seen thanos the, for the first time after avengers but he you know throughout the entirety of guardians one like that's when we really learn who he is what these infinity stones are what he's doing and what he's done in his past to like cause these things to happen. So I, I definitely agree. And I think now I'm kind of rooting for the guardians to be the ones to uh, have that main end end to Thanos. Yeah. That's what I just, I, I think they're the one, they have the personal vendetta. I mean, the mm-hmm. Avengers do too, but it's like by the time the Avengers have a personal vendetta versus Thanos, everyone does. So yeah. I think that the guardians individually, a couple of them at least, um, have a pretty personal vendetta against Thanos, and so I want to. I think that would be satisfying. I don't know. I'm interested to see how who takes him down individually, or if it's going to be a group effort. Because I mean, it's it's going to be. I'm sure something. it's going to be a group a group effort. Um, just because of everything that that happened in the end of Infinity War and everything they've built up to, like even adding a new character in the mix with uh, Captain Marvel. I think it would be a letdown to just have it be one person. Yeah, um, yeah, true. So I do hope it's a good mix, but I hope the Guardians are there and it's not like like the only two Guardians that were on the main floor after Thanos got to Earth were uh were what Groot and Rocket, right? All the other ones were Yeah. Yeah. up up Peter in, still uh, has space. never been back to Earth. Yeah. Oh, that would be such a okay. Yeah, we're we're yeah. getting into spoilers territory. Sorry. Not really spoilers yeah. Yeah. theories, <laughs> but yeah, like oh, that'd be so cool. Okay. Yeah, uh, there's anyway. a couple moments I really want, <laughs> and I would want to see with the Guardians going to Earth, but that's yeah, that's its own separate thing. So, is there anything else uh, with this film that you want to get into before we uh, talk about our rating system? No, I feel like we've kind of covered a lot of it. I think we like, have. There's a lot of great, you know, comedy in this. I think emotionally, it's it's. To me, it's one of the most emotional MCU movies. Um, you learn a lot, and it's it's a uh, it's a special movie. And I think it's I think it shows like family can be anyone that you're close to, and sometimes people you search for can end up being bad. Um, sometimes the people you search for, like Peter says at Yandu's funeral, I've always been there. That's kind of a call to Nebula and Gamora, and I think it's it's got a lot of great character development. Um, oh, for sure. By the all end of it, the Guardians you know have a great. Are. Yeah, all not just the Guardians, but all the characters in this movie have some sort of development that we didn't see um, in the first film. So, yeah, I, I agree on that front. Um, 
I still like. I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna upset you with my rating. It's probably uh, but, okay. <laughs> but are you we'll, gonna we'll say what all fifteen are? Or yes, are I like, am. Okay. okay yeah. Cool. So yeah. Okay. All right. So before I go, uh, I would like to hear what your top three MCU films are, and if okay. uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Two is not in your top three, where like in what area would you put that film? Okay. Um, I hope this doesn't break the top three too bad, um, but in no particular <laughs> order, I would say of Infinity War, Avengers. Of The first Avengers is probably my favorite movie of all time, depending on the Same. Day. It's so um, good. Nothing will ever hit that moment. Like, I'm like, I could, I don't know, like, it's, I could break that movie down and talk about that movie and just everything about it, but um, Infinity War, Avengers, and then I would say either Guardians 2, because this is such a different side of the MCU. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, um, Civil War, I'm not as high on as a lot of people are. Winter Soldier is like a perfect film to me, but objectively it's mm-hmm. perfect. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I would just say Avengers and Infinity War, and then it's kind of, I have different like tiers in my head of what I like Yeah, as, yeah. Far, as, of, as far as where it goes. Um, but I would, I would probably put Guardians 2 as my third. Okay. And is there a certain reason that, uh, I mean, I know, like you said, Avengers, for that reason, obviously being the first of its kind, but for Infinity War, for being your number one, is there a certain reason? It's the culmination of everything. Um, Right. It's, I guess, for like the easy answer, yeah, it's a culmination of everything. It's got everybody in it, uh, pretty much everybody in it. Um, It's the first five minutes and the last five minutes are probably some of the most like unexpected movie moments that we would come we've come accustomed to as far mm-hmm. as like definitive things happening um and like just surprises and i think it's it's a really well done like special event in movies and just everything around it like the, not even necessarily that movie but what it did for you know the internet and and like pop culture oh, yeah, in general dude. and just like it's something we all rooted for and it's something that all affected us on like a ton of different levels. So yeah, I I don't know. So Infinity War is to me is like what how people think of like Return of the Jedi is. Like I think it's right. that's, yeah. it's our generation Star Wars. We just got twenty you know twenty two of them. In 10 that makes years. sense. Yeah, that's a good way so, to think about it. Um, but yeah, that's just how I feel about it. I very much um, I see what you're saying about like the the phenomenon because like. The last time I was in a theater where the entire theater was, like, really hyped about something and was, like, having, like, emotional ties to the movie as it was going along was when I went and saw Deathly Hallows Part 2 in theaters at midnight. Because that was before midnight films came out at 6 p.m. the night before. Yeah, I kind of missed that. At midnight. I missed that a little bit. Yeah, I miss it, too, because I was the person that would camp out and get there early, get my tickets ahead of time, get, and there was no reserved seats. You got there early and you got the good seats. Now you have to buy your tickets, reserve your seat because most theaters now have like, like the lean back kind of chairs, the recliners and stuff. So all of my theaters at home, you can't just buy tickets and be first in line anymore. You have to go on Fandango and reserve your seats. And that's why I can't go to the 6 p.m. viewing is because they were all sold out for my theater, what, which What sucks. theater chain do you go to, AMC? Um, I used to go to AMC, but... Oh, I don't want to shit on AMC too much. But the one near like me... AMC? 
I used to I used I used to go to the movies all the time. I used to love AMC. Uh-huh. The one near me um was great, but what happened was they only have like one IMAX theater and all their other theaters are trash. And I went and saw um this was the last straw for me. <laughs> I went and saw <laughs> Solo in theaters and uh-huh. I don't know if you have went and saw that movie in theaters or have seen it, but it's a visually stunning yeah, film. Yeah. But the way that they recorded it was very dark. So that mm. if you didn't see it in IMAX, if your if your theater's things were not like not necessarily new, but they were not fixed up, the entire movie, like I had I got a headache because I could barely see it. Felt like I was looking through like sunglasses the entire film. So it was like so bad, and I was so mad. And then I went to go get popcorn be- to like take a break. And now what AMC does is they do like VIP things to where the VIP people can get in and get their popcorn. There is constantly a line of 30 people waiting to get popcorn and they let the VIP people cut them the entire time. So the line doesn't move. So I was just like, I'm done. I'm not coming here anymore. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a really bad experience. Oh, yeah. And it's every time. And I'm sorry, AMC. I literally went to watch movies with you since I grew up and all the time. But now, They're my favorite chain. Yeah. Now um, I go to this place called The Grand uh, that's very close to my house. It's a really small theater, but they have really good, like, Dolby things going on there. And, yeah, they're small theaters, so it's not, like, a crap ton of people in there. There's about, like, six rows altogether. Um, But the only problem with that is that I couldn't get tickets to the 6 p.m. because they were all sold out because it's such a small theater. That actually so. ruined a couple of friends and I going to see or coming to see Endgame with me is that since it's at 6, our starts at 6.10. And so since it's not at 7, I had a couple people be like, oh, I can't make it then. Like, I'm yeah, getting off work at 5, 5.30. And um, I will say it, I do like that uh, reserve seats are a thing now because I actually took a half day. So like last year, I took Thursday and Friday off for Infinity War. And then this year I was going to take a half day Thursday and a whole day off Friday. But this year I did reserve seats because we went to IMAX because Memphis finally has an IMAX theater. Right. And um, I did. I canceled my half day at work Thursday. I'm like, oh, I guess I can just go to, you know, I can go straight to go the theater whatever. and yeah. take a seat. And so that That's is kind of nice, like... but it ruins the waiting in line. And like, exactly. You're, you're building up the hype. at the line. It's like standing in line for like a roller coaster. Like it's, yeah, you, you just miss that now. I miss it. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I appreciate the fact that you can buy tickets ahead of time. So now I don't. I could just be like, I don't have to leave 45 minutes ahead of time. I could just be like, oh, I can leave in like 10 minutes and go to the theater. Uh, I have my tickets. It's cool. I know where I'm gonna sit. But I, there was something really special about lining up with a whole bunch of nerds just like you, getting ready to see the film, like making friends, filling up the theater, and like bonding with everybody. And sure. I feel like that's kind of taken away now. So anyway. Now that I'm done shit talking, sorry, yeah, we we AMC. went on like a total there. <laughs> we did. It's fine. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna go with my reading. I'm apologizing ahead of time, oh, not to everybody, okay. because of yeah. I'm not gonna apologize to everybody because it's my opinion, but I'm apologizing to you because this is your episode. And... Hey, it's your opinion. Okay. It's gonna be so. We're gonna I, go. I feel like it's 14 or 15 with the way you're talking. Oh, <laughs> it's it's low. Uh, so we're gonna start at the top. So number one. Avengers. Okay. Number two, Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow, number three. Okay. Yeah. Number three, Winter Soldier. Number four, Civil War. Number five, Age of Ultron. Number six, Captain America. Number seven, Iron Man. Number eight, Doctor Strange. Number nine, nice. Ant Man. Number ten, Thor. 
Number 11, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's below Thor? Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I really do like <laughs> Thor. I think Thor's like a fun indie movie and people hate on it, but... Yeah. Um, it's... Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where was I? Was that 11? 12. Yeah, yeah. 11 or 12. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, so 12, The Incredible Hulk. 13, Iron Man 3. 14, Iron Man 2. And 15, Thor Dark World. Okay, since this isn't a spoiler, like really, really quick, how did Andrew? <laughs> how did Andrew Taylor take your uh, Iron Man three being so low? <laughs> he took it. It was fine. Okay, we had a really, okay. we had a really good episode talking about it. Um, I still stand by it being pretty weak to me. Same. same. Um, I appreciate how much he loves the, it. The idea of the movie just kind of gets. It's like seems like a pointless movie in the end. Yep. Um, but. You know, I have my reasons for ranking it, and that's why that one is because I feel like I never go out of my way to watch it because it's pointless. Like everything in Age of Ultron, like sets it off. Like you don't, it, it's like it doesn't matter. And then with this one, like I said, I would love this movie so much more, and I think it would be way higher if the entire first half of the movie I didn't feel like bothered. Like I don't put this movie on just to watch it. Like Guardians of the Galaxy One, Avengers One, those are such fun movies to me that I will just put them on just to watch it sometimes. But this one's for like. Sure. I know I'm going to get annoyed by the first half and I just don't feel like being bothered with it, which sucks. And I, I wish it wasn't like that because, you know, there is a lot of good stuff going on at the end, but it, just because of that one reason I had to. Yeah. And the second half I think is really strong and like the it ending is so strong, fight yeah. is strong. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful, but yeah, I can see that with the first half. The first half is like I said, it solely exists to help the second half, which is, which sucks because the first half is something that should be like catching people's attention and bringing them one leaving them wanting more but i didn't have that so yeah yeah it's a weak sec or first half that just yeah mm-hmm. it tries to serve the second half and it's like i feel like it makes people zone out and so you lose a lot of those jokes at yeah. the end where it's like references for sure um but yeah uh before we you know go all end game spoiler tangent and things that we want to see um Eric, thank you for hanging out and talking to me about Gardens 2. Absolutely. Um, thank you for having me on. Yeah, and like making me think about it differently, too. You know, obviously, you know, I've been wanting these Avengers to take Thanos out for a while, but now I'm kind of rooting for the Guardians. So thank you for. I want them to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so, yeah, if. If you liked listening uh, to Eric and you want to hear more from him, uh, you could follow him on Twitter at. Play a lot of. I love that. It's a very funny. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, play on your last name. <laughs> PSN name. And I was like, I'm just going to put it for everything. So, yeah, it's P L A Y A L O T T A. Play a lot of. Um, also, you have um, a couple other things that you do, right? You have um, a podcast and YouTube that you um, are a part of, correct? Yeah, yeah. Too Much to Say is my podcast. Um, so, you can jump on like any podcast service, search Too Much to Say. Um, and so that's just a random topic podcast where we break down one topic per episode. Um, we usually, it's usually myself and Duncan Butler, um, who is, uh, the main host. I'm his co-host on Hero Shop Media, which is a lot of different weekly, like pop culture news, movie reviews and things like that. Um, so you search Hero Shop Media on YouTube and that'll get you there. Yeah. So, so yeah, check all that out. Also, Follow me on Twitter for the updates on the podcast, the Snap MCU. That's where you'll know if we have put out an episode or if we're just 
you know, retweeting Avengers things, getting all excited. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for coming out and talking to me. But Absolutely. I really need awesome. to know. Thanks. Yeah. I need to know how you feel about Endgame and like what you want uh, before we get there. Spoiler alert. We might go into spoiler territory. So just close your ears. This is the part where we talk a little bit about Endgame. So the next episode is going to be on Spider-Man Homecoming. So tune into that. Um, God, but yeah, such a good movie. I love it. It's so fun. Um, Eric, what do you want to see in Endgame? Endgame, I want to see, and this is something my friends have always kind of been like, really? I want to see Tony and Cap die. I want Tony and Steve Rogers both to die. Agreed. Um, I think that moment would be unlike anything we've ever seen. Like, we didn't see Luke Skywalker die. You know, we didn't see Bilbo Baggins. Well, kind of, we saw him die. We haven't seen Frodo die, like Gandalf die. Like, as far as big movies go. We just haven't, we didn't see Harry Potter die. Like, I think seeing, like, Tony and Steve die would be incredibly epic, powerful. Um, I want I want Steve, and I've been saying this since Avengers 1, I want to hear Steve Rogers yell, Avengers Assemble. Um, I know it's <laughs> teased in Age of Ultron, but I'm like, give me that, and I think we'll finally have it with, you know, whatever, 25 Avengers on screen at once. Uh, that'd be so cool, because, like, we get, in the first two Avengers movies, we get those 360 spins. We get the original 360. We get the scene in the church in um, Sar- Sokovia uh, yeah, with yeah. the new added-on Avengers where they're, like, actually moving around the space. And I really want to see another 360 with all... Like, oh, how cool would that be? It would be amazing, um, like, yeah. the, um, the money they have to drop on this film with all these like heroes and stuff like just give it to us we deserve yep. it yep and it's you know it's been long rumor they would all be there together for something like um yeah i want that like i i think three hours is almost too short for this movie too from what we want out of it but i don't mm-hmm. think we've i don't think we've seen when they say the first year the only footage we've seen is from the first 15 minutes or so like i totally believe that like i don't think we even know what to expect in the last like two-thirds of this movie it's going to be something completely different. It's going to be um, crazy. Yeah, like I want, you know, and I want those fun team ups, like how like Doctor Strange teamed up with like Spider Man and, and Peter Quill. Or am I spoiling? I'm allowed to say like Infinity yeah, War anything. Stuff right yeah, now, right? we're all okay. in spoiler territory. Let's let's hear it. Okay, so like just how the Russo brothers are really great at those random team ups, team ups like in Civil War. Um, you know, of course you get Hawkeye and Ant Man, which is like a classic comic book. Uh, team up shot but i i want to see like how we can do new team ups like we didn't see spider-man with we have never seen spider-man with hulk or thor right um, yeah you know, stuff like that like i think you know seeing dr strange with someone like even just like war machine like he's very different than tony stark um like you know don Cheadle, you know uh J- james rhodes is he's definitely a very just like brass tacks like army military guy so i think it'd be funny to see him team up with someone who's all about magic so yeah. just different different things like that like how they can play off of each other physically and then just you know lines and talking to each other um i'm i'm really excited to see a future a little bit beyond endgame i'm excited to see a future where our avengers lineup is spider-man black panther doctor strange captain marvel you know I want Black Widow as like the the Nick Fury role going forward. I think should be excellent for that. Oh, I didn't um, even think about that. That would be a cool her taking over like Shield and everything. I th- yeah. I think she's gonna die. So that's just me. Really? But, okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess I could see her dying, especially with her movie being a prequel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think Hawkeye lives then, since he has a family? No, I think Hawkeye's gonna die as well. Are you thinking, the, like, the original six are all dead? All of them except Hulk. Well, like, this is how I see it. I see it as, like, Hulk... Like, they could take all the original six and be done with them. But, like, they could... Like, like Hulk and Thor can still exist. Obviously, I want more Thor because of how good Thor Ragnarok was, but, like, I feel like they could still exist without appearing in films, whereas, like, I... Like, Tony and Cap, it's their time, and then Black Widow, also just, like, weird that she's got a prequel, and it's not anything new, and I like your idea, though, her taking on a Fury role. That would be really cool. Um, I love it, especially Scarlett Johansson getting... She's not getting older, necessarily, and, like, where she, like, can't do stunts, but that helps to where she doesn't have to be as physical or, like, come in and train for six months to you know, be to fight in a movie. Like right. she could just kind of take it a little bit easier. And, you know, I would love the a force to be in the MCU, like the all of female Avengers team, like Valkyrie, Captain Marvel, you know, black widow, Ooh, Scarlet Valkyrie. Witch, like, something like I that. I forget about awesome. her. Yeah. Valkyrie is so much fun. Also like with Hawkeye, I think he like has to die because we see him turn into Ronan. And I feel like by this time we don't know what he's done from the trailers but from like the comics we know that he's killed a lot of people and he's gone really dark and i feel like there's no coming back from that and i think that i i am one of the people that think kate bishop's gonna be a thing and she's gonna be like the new the new kind of hawkeye person per se and i think so yeah she's he's gotta be gone okay okay i could see that for sure um so yeah that's I, you know, I, I imagined when I got to this like middle point in this podcast that like, I wouldn't have any theories left. So I'm like banking on y'all. I'm banking on y'all to just give me new hopes for this movie. And I think my favorite part about this episode so far is now I'm like, all right, the guardians are going to do it. So that's what I I want now. Like, I think Nebula is the one who is, you know, Drax is hell bent on getting Thanos, but Nebula, I mean, she wants him bad. Just because yeah. he's he's affected her her entire life, um, Gamora. I I do actually want Gamora to stay dead as much as I love he's always Saldana and I love Gamora's character. Um, I think that's a death that should stick because it doesn't have to do with the actual snap. That's um, what it I thought have to do with too. Getting a, a stone though, so you know it depends. I mean, if this is a time travel movie and they're undoing things like that, then I mean that's how you keep her there. But I mean, I if they want like, to undo, Loki, I want Loki to be dead too. No, like, let him be dead. I love Loki. I want but, him. Like, <laughs> we need a we need a new Loki in the universe, like someone who just pops up. Yeah, um, but what somebody and I talked about a while, like, a few episodes ago, was that like, yes, it was before the snap that uh, Gamora died, but there is that possibility theory that people are trapped in the Soul Stone. And she is in the Soul Stone because that's, you know, that's where we see him go see her in the Soul Stone. So she could be released back if that's the way that True. they come back. But that's only, that's if that theory exists, right? So, And that's what I thought that was. I honestly thought when Thanos goes to, like, the Soul, Soul Stone or whatever, you know, when he does a snap, I thought that was more of just his, like, subconscious and, like, something he sees as, like, innocence and, like, what he loves. Um, the most, but I, I I don't know. Like I still think that even if people are trapped in the Soul Stone, I don't. I just don't buy the whole people are trapped in the Soul Stone theory. Like I think that's just like a 
that's such an easy cop-out, and there's got to be a cop-out because these people are going to come back, but I think it's not as easy as that. I don't want it to be as easy as, like, well, now we just got to get them out of the Soul Stone because, to me, then, they didn't die. So you think you're, like, they're dead, dead. They're dead. Yeah, I think these characters are dead. I think if they come back, it's got to be time travel, and they got to go right before the snap or sometime before it, but I think in this, like, timeline, I think that all intents and purposes, all of the people that died are actually dead. Yeah, and plus, like, that makes sense, too, that if it's something that happens, like, they flip the switch and bring people, not bring people back, but they go back in time to reverse it, because, to me, like, you know, they haven't really released much about that Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, but I feel like if he would have actually died and then come back from the Soul Stone, he'd be, like, fucking shook like he would not be exactly. like i'm gonna go on this school field trip right so I, there's got to be something that to where that they even either like the characters that snapped like don't know what happened like the snapper never existed because mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. like half the universe snapped if they bring everybody back not just these heroes but all these people in living all around the world will know about it and that you know that would be terrifying so i feel like there has to be something to reverse it because and to where all these the only people that know about it are the people who or maybe even they don't know about it maybe it's just going to be something that happens and then like everything goes back to normal yeah or i could see like the you know whoever survived like the og avengers whoever like the team is at this point who reverses it or goes back in time however they do it they tell the other avengers who were dead about it but mm-hmm. yeah, because it's like obviously in the trailer, Peter Parker wants to like go on vacation and get his mind off like being a superhero. So I could see where it's like slight, kind of like a PTSD, like I'm just trying to like move on with my life type of thing or go have fun. I was and thinking be a kid. it was because like but... something happened and Tony died, and that's what it was about. Like he was like being all sad because his mentor died. I really, God, I hate to say it's so dark, but I do hope Tony, I really hope Tony dies. Because it's like, yeah. we, know, we know Steve Rogers is probably going to die. I don't For want sure. Steve Rogers going to the past and being happy with with uh, um, Agent Carter. God, what's her no, first name? No, that's I what I want, Peggy. <laughs> Peggy, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't want that because I feel like that's too easy and that affects the timeline. Um, yeah, I guess you're I right. Think, He's a soldier at this, like, he, that's all he exists for, and, like, he has a great story, but I think Steve's ultimate sacrifice would be what makes his character, like, the greatest MCU character. I think he's better than, I am love Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark, but I think Chris Evans as Captain America is the best MCU character. Really? Yeah. I think it's hard, just... because it's, like, since I, you know, we grew up with these characters, I think they're both such good fits for the role and i can't see anybody else taking taking those roles you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't want anyone else being like you know oh i'm captain america now like me either i hate those ideas yeah even like terrence howard being don Cheadle, like you know all that kind of stuff bothers me or that one i forgot who it was but he ended it ended up going to zachary uh, levi and thor ragnarok like yeah that that was weird you can just tell when it's different i didn't even notice that uh that that was Zachary Levi until I watched Thor Ragnarok and somebody pointed it out and I was like, wait, what? That's not the same guy from the first film. And they were like, you didn't notice in Dark World. And I was like, no, because I, like Dark World, like it's hard for me to pay attention to. It's such a bad uh, movie. <laughs> it is. Which I hate because like I am a Loki stan and Loki looks so good in that film and that's the only reason why I'll watch it. Um, but yeah, is there um anything else from the from endgame that you just like really need to see or you really want to see no like i just I, yeah i want the avengers assemble line with like everybody i want cap and tony to die um i want to see hulk 
I want to see Bruce like Hulk out, and I'm not a big fan of the idea of Professor Hulk, because um, I think the Hulk should be its own like beast, like in a sense. But um, I do want to see Hulk take his revenge out on Thanos and just be like, I'm not afraid of you. Like it's you know, um, there's so many random moments. Like I yeah, like just that. Like I I think Endgame's gonna give us everything we want, and we didn't even realize we wanted it. Um. No, that's really it. Like, I'm almost... Infinity War, I was so curious about, and I went totally dark. I only watched one trailer for it. And Endgame, I'm not searching for spoilers, but as trailers come out, I watch them. And I'm just like, I mean, you make spoilers in your head. It's like, there's so many options and ways to go that it's... But they're gonna... They're gonna... It's gonna all be a surprise. Infinity War was a big surprise. Like, we knew he was gonna get the gauntlet, but, like, we didn't know what was going to happen until yeah, it happened. We thought, we thought part two, which is, you know, it was going to be part two at the time. We thought he was going to get the stones then because we knew he'd get them all. But from the marketing of Infinity War, we're like, okay, he'll get two or three in this movie. Right. Um, but nah, he got like, them all. We didn't know it was going to happen and got it. That movie was done so masterfully. Like It really was. I can't wait to rewatch that film um, at the end. At the end of all this. Well, technically not the end because Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel are my... 20 and 21 so i'm actually True. oh my god it's so soon this is episode 15 i have four movies until i get to talk about infinity war how exciting is that sure you're very close and you get the really good movies now this is like the best straight you're in the best stretch of the mcu i think it really is and that's what i that's why i feel so bad when i make my ratings and i'm not saying that a lot of these movies are really bad movies they're just there because a lot of movies are better they came out and they were just like holy shit they blew me away so yeah, even Thor the Dark World has a couple good scenes, and to me, I'm like, I'd give it like a C minus, like D plus, and I'm like, there's no movie to me that's an F. I think Incredible Hulk is actually not that bad. Really? But, um, but yeah, it's... Everybody shits on me about Incredible Hulk, so, you know, thank you for that. <laughs> the ending fight is like, what, 30, 45 minutes? It's awesome. Like, it sets up the leader, which I wish it would have gotten... Um, you know, it's it's a fun movie. Liv Tyler's awesome as Betty. I love Liv Tyler. I like, how cool yeah. would it be if Betty shows up? Like we're talking about going like changing like the future or the past or going back in time. Like what if we see some more Hulk stuff? Because like we we don't see any anything of the backstory of the Hulk because we got his origin story in the first three minutes of The Incredible Hulk and it wasn't Mark Ruffalo. Like how cool would it be if we got to see some like Liv Tyler? Yeah, I would love, like, if he got to go back to work at a university with her and, like, just go be a scientist. Like, that would be that'd be I the would perfect love... ending for Bruce Banner. Ooh, like, the whole if... is tamed. He's content. Right. Go, go live your life. If we got at the end of an... Not at the end. Like, we have three hours to work through some stuff. If we got to go, like, they all played with a timeline and they went into the past but we each got to see like a little bit of their past like maybe we'll see like jensen again in iron man and it's like that scene in the cave or like you know everybody keeps saying like cap goes and has his dance and like maybe he does but maybe he comes back and that was just that moment for him and he had that moment and now he can die peacefully like there's gotta be meaning to the end of these characters and i feel like giving us a glimpse of their past and like how we got from there to here that would be such a good ending and watch like maybe like the modern day people relive it mm-hmm. yeah like them like they get to go back and reminisce a little bit before they kind of have to do they have to sacrifice themselves probably that'd be cool they could do that while uh uh what's his name what's his name they could do that while uh Thanos is just sitting on his freaking porch just 
drinking a sweet tea and hanging out. Yeah, we got, we got like moonshine or Sienna <laughs> <Louisiana> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole the whole movie. They're going to be doing their own thing, going playing with time, and he's just going to be sitting there just chilling. God, I love that he's wearing armor. That's that trips me out now because I'm like mm-hmm. he's scared. You know he's scared. Yeah. So, whew, what an episode! What what a wow! I can't believe I only have a few more episodes left. This has been a ride. So you're close, yeah. I'm so close, and Endgame is so close. We only have a couple more weeks before Endgame comes out. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. Okay, so you so, said you couldn't see it at six. What time are you seeing it? You're seeing it that I'm Thursday night, right? Ten thirty. Oh wow! So I'm going okay. dark. I will shut off my phone. <laughs> go completely because I know people. I don't trust people on the internet. Nobody should. Oh yeah, and you don't want someone to accidentally text you at like nine and be like da 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 da. Like right, they know you were seeing it. Yeah. So me and my girlfriend are going to go see it at ten thirty on Thursday, and nice. Nice. I am probably thinking about doing like a end game spoiler recap kind of thing um, for the last episode and. Whew. I'm probably gonna see it like three times that weekend too. If there's like any anywhere that has like open seating, um, yeah, that's what I bought Friday morning tickets. And last year I went and saw Infinity War Thursday night, of course, and then Friday morning I went and saw it. And I loved watching it with people because like ninety percent of that Friday morning audience hadn't seen it and didn't know what. was And you knew happen. that's and I did the same thing with my friends. Awesome. Yeah, I did so the same thing with my friends. Watching Infinity War for the first time, I was just with um Kaylin and we were in this huge theater and it was it was the one of the coolest experiences like I said with like Harry Potter how we were like interacting with people and it was so fun and people were like gasping when things were happening it was like this that yeah. was happening with the, like as soon as like Black Panther disappeared like people were freaking out and then that was the first Marvel movie ever that I have been to that nobody got up like, normally you see people yeah, and you're just quiet. like, oh, look at this dude. Like, look at this dude. He doesn't know. Nobody got up. Nobody spoke a word. It was silent. We all sat through the the end credits waiting and just taking in what just happened. And then I went and saw it again a few days later with my friends. And I was like, I'm, y'all will not. And I, <laughs> whenever, like, snap start, the snap happened, I just looked, I looked over at them and their faces. And one of my friends she had like a tear in her eye and they were all just like making these faces like what and yeah, it was like so it. it's so, so good yeah yeah it makes me want to see it like three times opening weekend just to see that God, i feel like i should more more. i feel like i need to go buy extra tickets now so catch it catch it friday at some point yeah okay like, it's it's worth it so ready so yeah um again thank you for coming out and talking guardians Absolutely. galaxy 2 with me yeah, it's been fun, and I'm sorry it didn't it didn't get too high on my list, but that's okay it's, because it's a movie stacked with, or it's a series stacked with like B pluses and A's. Yeah, I think about it. And what we can all agree on is that Infinity War is awesome, and Endgame is going to be even more awesome, and the MCU in general is great, and that's what we could all agree on, whether we love or hate movies uh, that sure. come out in this. You so, gotta have the dark worlds to appreciate the Infinity Wars. There so. you go. That's a really beautiful way to put it. Thank you. Thank you. That's my poem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, follow us at The Snap MCU for episode updates. The next episode, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. It's going to be a blast. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you for listening. And, Eric, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. And my pleasure. Have a uh, great rest of your day, everybody. Bye.